You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us this far into the week, helping us all to survive the heat yesterday. Um, Please be with us today. Help us to draw closer to you and to learn more about you. Be with Chet and myself as we have this presentation and help us to present clearly and to say what you would have us say. We love you. Amen. Okay, so I don't know if this is my first day here, so I don't know if all of you have been here before um, or not, but this is Melissa. You probably know her already, so she's been teaching the class this week. Um, I'm, her, I'm her husband. She's allowed me to be that, which is awesome. Um, and uh, so I'm an emergency room registered nurse. I work as a house supervisor as well. I've been doing this. I've been doing ER nursing for about 10 years. And then we have two boys. They're three and five. One's Noah. Raise your hand, Noah. No. And then um, we, also, we also run a small farm uh, called Hillside Harvest Farm. And it's, uh, it's just a small hobby farm, which we're actually going to go into a little bit tomorrow. Um, and that's, that's just kind of us. So. All right. Um, so today, we are going to talk about adventures, why adventures are important for your children. And our takeaway for today, we're back to just one question. How do I create a love for adventure in my children? And I guess the other thing I would add is, how do we do that safely? Because um, that's what we're going to talk about a lot today, too. So. so, why it matters. So, when Melissa and I first met, um, well, a little bit after we had met, we were uh, on a... Several years after Several we had years, met. yeah. We decided to go on a backpacking trip. We were in college. We decided to go on a backpacking trip with some friends. And actually, it was such a hard trip that two friends actually bowed out at the top of the mountain and went back down. We were doing about... The top of the first mountain. Yeah. We were doing about a 50-mile backpack trip in the Smokies. And... Um, and I remember it being the worst backpacking trip, but the best backpacking trip I ever had. So it was like, it was about 40 degrees. It turned out to be Melissa and I and a friend of mine uh, who was from Vietnam, who would, every, going up the top of every mountain, he'd say, this too easy for you? This too easy for you? And he's just plowing through. We're like, uh, no, it's not. It, well, what made it difficult was not just 40 degrees, but pouring rain. So we were hiking through six inches of mud up and down mountains. Right. Yeah. And so you remember these, it seems to be a lot of the times that the hardest trips or the most memorable trips or the, are the trips that you remember the most about and then bring kind of joy to you the most. And so, to, and it builds bonds. Taking time to have adventures as a family builds bonds, fosters connection. And so we found through that trip, we had really bonded, got to know like pushing each other to the limit what we can handle and what our friend could handle as well. And it really built a better connection. I think as families, with your kids or with your spouse, um, going on these trips, doing these adventures where you don't know what's going to happen really builds, really builds a connection. Yeah, and these, these kinds of challenges and adventures, they change us. Um, they make us better and stronger people, especially when it's, when it's hard. And we live in such an easy society in a lot of ways that we don't know how to be challenged physically. And so adventures like backpacking um, just help build resilience and character development. Um, 
And so we just want to invest that kind of thing into our children and into our families. And we want to show up and do stuff, even when it's hard and even when we're busy and when it's inconvenient. Um, Another reason I just said that is because it builds resilience and stamina. And I think that those are two things that are vastly overlooked in our education process. Um, But they're some of the most important things, I think, in in helping to build successful and competent adults. Um, And we're also going to talk a tiny bit about how it helps build problem-solving skills and intellectual skills by being out in nature and coming across problems and having to figure out how to solve them and sometimes being away from the normal conveniences that we're used to and figuring out, okay, now what do I do? Um, So those are some of the reasons that we have why we do this. Um, So how do we make that happen? That's what we're going to talk about. Um, We start small. If you're not used to doing things like 50-mile backpacking trips, please don't start with a 50-mile backpacking trip. Um, Maybe you need to start with car camping, or, or maybe for some of us it means starting with a tent in our backyard or starting with a hammock in our backyard, or if you have little ones, sometimes that's, you know, that's what you can do, and that's awesome, and the kids love it. Chet camps, uh, well, I was away on a business trip a couple weeks ago, and he camped with the kids in the backyard, and they still talk about it. Like, they love it, and all they did was sleep in a tent in the backyard instead of in their own beds. Um, So start small. Start with where you are, and as as your comfort grows, as your skills grow, then you start to grow on what you're doing. Um, Be intentional. This means being intentional with your time and scheduling this kind of stuff into your day. And then grow your adventures. As as you're feeling comfortable with something, keep pushing to just a little bit further outside of your comfort zone. And then before you know it, you're doing all kinds of exciting things with your children. I, I totally went off my notes, so just checking. Okay, with little kids. We're going to talk a little bit about little kids, and then we're going to talk more about older kids as well. With little ones, there's three things that are important. Keep it manageable. Don't get way in over your heads. Don't decide you're going to go kayaking and, and kayak out an hour or two hours from your car, and then your kids are exhausted, and you have to get back, and there's tears the whole way. We've done that. I don't recommend it. Um, so keep it manageable, especially when you have little ones. But with everybody, start with small chunks and turn around before everyone's miserable. <laughs> uh, keep it meaningful. Just do things that are interesting. Don't, don't go for, I mean, I think walks are interesting, but don't just keep going for walks. Keep doing things that, that kids are going to be engaged in. And keep it fun. And with little ones, reevaluate what success means. So... Sometimes a successful day is climbing a mountain. Other times a successful day is we played in the backyard for sometimes even as little as 10 minutes. Um, and so don't, don't get discouraged because you're like, oh, we want to do these amazing things. Just start with small things and, and count every little bit of success. Yeah, I remember one of the first hikes that we did when Gavin, our oldest, was just starting to walk. Because we had done a few things, and I'll talk about them when he was really young, because he wasn't moving. And it so was easy. It was easy. You could carry him. <laughs> when he wanted to walk, I said, let's go on a, you know, we'll go on a four-mile hike back, you know. I think we maybe made a half mile because he wanted to walk. And so we'd stop, we'd put him down, and he'd walk, and he'd dig in the dirt, and he'd find bugs and whatnot. And he was, you know, one and a half. That's 
So our trip, understanding to make it manageable for the kids. Understanding your goal is getting your kids outside. Um, it's not maybe making that goal for yourself of that long hike that you maybe wanted to do. So the average American kid today spends four to seven minutes outside. How long do you think he spends in front of a screen? Three hours? Six? They say seven. Six is right there. Seven hours a day in front of a screen. So that might be just looking at his phone real quick, putting it down, right? iPad, computer. Nature opens your senses. In order for our kids to be interested in the outdoors, we must lead by example. Getting your kids interested is only going to work if you're interested as well. If you want your kids, well, I just want my kids to be interested in the outdoors, but I'm not interested in the outdoors. I'm not interested in learning about the outdoors. There's no way your kids, unless, I mean, your kid might be the one in a thousand that's going to be interested and you're not interested. But most likely he won't be interested unless you really get interested. Uh, I listened to a TED Talk by Scott Sampson, who's a paleontologist, and he said, when you step outside in the morning, as, as an adult, step outside in the morning, pause. Take that 10 seconds and open your senses. Let your nature fill your senses. So often we get so busy that we put nature in a box and we say this weekend we're going to go camping or this weekend we're going to do a little hike or we're going to hit the water this weekend, but we don't allow nature to fulfill our lives every single day. And that's what we need to do. Take that 10 seconds when you walk out your door and you're getting into your car maybe to go to work and just smell that fresh air. Let it fill your senses. With young kids, um, like to, there's an acronym called NEW. Young kids, right, new senses. They have new senses to experience the world. New eyes, new ears, new nose. Fill those senses instead of with, with video games and with all, all sorts of technology. Now, granted, I'm not saying get rid of technology. We are moving into a technology age. Kids need to understand technology, okay? But is in nature, fill their senses with nature because they have new senses. Then E, engage, all right? So new senses, N, E, engage. And Engage might be a little kid using a stick in the water and just playing with that. Engage might be a middle-aged kid fishing, skiing, gardening, hiking, biking, etc. Things with goals, orienteering, geocaching, right? And then W, wonder. They need to feel a sense of amazement. They need to feel a sense of wonder. When, I took the, when we took the kids to Maine to visit some friends a few years ago, we, uh, or actually last year, because we, we lived in Maine for a couple years, we went to the ocean, and they were interested somewhat until I started flipping rocks over and finding hermit crabs. Then it was amazing, right? And we were there for as long as, I mean, they didn't want to leave because we were flipping rocks and finding hermit crabs and grabbing hermit crabs. And so showing them that wonder, that amazement is, is what you should do. So a few things that we did with our son. So if you have a young child and you say, man, you know, I don't know if we can do anything with our kids. Well, here's a couple, here's a few things you can do. Um, we've always been super outdoorsy. So in Maine, when we lived out there, Gavin was born. He was about a, he was less than a year old. And we love to climb. We love to hike. So I remember hiking up a mountain about four miles up and we got almost to the top. And the top of, you know, in the, in the mountains up there in Maine, like they can get windy and pretty nasty. We got almost to the top and he had a massive blow. I mean, just, just poop up the side, like up my back. Like, we're like, what are we going to do? Like, we're at the top of this mountain. We got, like, over two miles back down, and we're just covered. But I remember that experience. I don't, he doesn't, which is good. But I remember that experience. But 
we got him out. And we did bring some stuff to clean us up somewhat and then got things washed up. I think the point with that kind of stuff is we all survived. Right. And the things that we think are a big deal, like, they become funny stories. And, and they're really not a big deal. So we wiped everything up with baby wipes and, like, there was a little bit of, you know, poop residue that we cleaned up when we got home. Like... It wasn't a big deal. And, and that's, I think, something is, is just changing our perspective. And these things that we think are, like, are horrible, they're not. And we can get over it and we can teach our kids to, like, you go with the flow. You deal with what, what happens. So it's also, like, bringing the right equipment that you, to use as well. If you can see me on the right there, that's, that's an Osprey pack. And um, I think our friends, our friends actually went together because it's, I mean, you know, it's a couple hundred, two, three hundred dollars. A bunch of our friends went together when we had our kid and bought us that pack. Just having some sort of investments in good gear, I mean, allowed him to be able to climb Mount Washington uh, in New Hampshire with us there. Um, we ran a half marathon, Melissa and I, the only half marathon that we actually ran like together, like side by side, uh, and we ran it with him, pushing him in a running stroller. We found a used running stroller on Craigslist and, and got that because we weren't, we weren't rolling in the dough, all right? And so you can find some of these used things that are still quality or they were really quality a few years ago and look on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace, try and find some of these things that are quality that allow you to be able to do these things and give comfort to your kid as well while you're doing them. When we were first having our, our oldest, we had a lot of people like, well, your life's going to change a lot, which it did. It does, obviously. And you guys are going to have to slow down and settle down. And you do some. Or the other excuse that I hear a lot is people saying, well, my kid would never tolerate the stroller for that long. I mean, you get them out. They're not just sitting in the stroller for hours on end. Or my child would never ride in a, ca in a, in a carrier. Like, they hate the carrier. Um, and I think that the, the biggest thing that we realize with our kids is, is what they get used to. And so, I mean, our oldest went on his first hike at a week old. As soon as I was feeling, like, ready to go, we were out hiking with, actually, I think that picture is his first hike. Yes, I know he doesn't, yeah, I know he doesn't look like a newborn. He was nine pounds when he was born. So, yes, that is a week old, I promise. <laughs> um, but it's just, like, you can still do things even with little babies. You just have to get over the idea that you can't do things. So, like I said before, always be enthusiastic about nature, even when it takes you out of your comfort zone, because attitude is infectious. Think about your work, right? If you work with someone that's grumpy every day, that, that's no fun. I work in the ER when we're backed up 10, 15, 20 patients. If I've got a good team leader or charge nurse that's happy-go-lucky, we're gonna, you know, it's all a good day, like it's good. If we're not busy and they're very negative, so much fun, right? So same thing with your kids. If you're enthusiastic even about the hard times, like your kids, it, they're going to start getting that. They're going to be start infected with that attitude. So find things to do in the colder month. In the colder months. You want to talk about yeah. that right Yeah, so there? because we live in Michigan, half the year is cold. Um, but I know we talked about that a little bit yesterday. Don't let that stop you. Sometimes it shortens the amount of time you spend outside and that's fine um, but it, it, don't let it stop you and find things to do find fun things to do we bought our kids used skis at played against sports 
And like that's that's Noah. That's my three-year-old skiing. We bought um, the ski resort by us has very 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 discounted midweek passes. And since I work from home and my husband is a nurse, like that works for us. Um, and so we ski about once a week with the kids, and and even our three-year-old started skiing at two. Um, but by used equipment, and and it lasts them for years. He's wearing new to us skis that Gavin wore for two years and now Noah's on his going to be going into his second year with those skis so it doesn't require a big investment is what I'm saying yeah and 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 understand understand too as an adult right you're like oh my skis are gonna be super expensive I bought $30 skis from someone they're super cheap yes I understand but they help me get the kids down the hill and that's the point like sometimes good equipment really matters Sometimes it's just about getting out there and doing it, and you can do it very affordably. The other thing that we do, sometimes this picture here with the the child in the sled, that's Noah at one and a half, I think. Um, It was nine degrees that day, (laughs) and we went, I don't know how long the hike was. We were out for about three hours, and he slept the entire time, which tells you he wasn't miserable. He wasn't cold. We got him out. His feet were warm. Yeah, but we, that's a, an ice fishing sled. If you have young kids, that is the best investment ever for if you want to get outside. Um, we lay a sleeping bag down inside the sled so he's not getting cold coming up. No, the down is on top. Um, and then he's bundled up in his, in his snowsuit with a down blanket on top of him, and he was toasty warm the whole time we were out. And then, Chet, do you want to talk about the the game that Gavin played while we, while we did this hike? So, yeah, while we were doing this hike, Gavin was pretending it was, it was at Antarctica. Or, I, where are the penguins? Wherever the penguins are. He was hunting for penguins. He was hunting for penguins. So, because creating an adventure for your kids is huge, right? You're not going to just go for a hike anymore and just say, well, we're going to do this miles. Your kids aren't, I mean, my kids aren't really interested in that. They want an adventure. They, wanna, they want something to do with that. So, like with my son, uh, Gavin, so two years ago, we had over three feet of snow, and we live, we live across a couple fields from my parents. And so we were hiking through the woods and through the fields through three feet of snow, right? And he's like this tall. They have snowshoes. Yeah, they have little <laughs> snowshoes, but still, like, try getting through that, right? And so we were looking for polar bears. And so we were hiding, and we crouched down, and you see a polar bear? Yeah, I see a polar bear. Creating that sense of adventure with your young kids is really huge, and it's going to get them outdoors and really enjoy it. Older kids, too, but you might not be able to pull off the penguins and polar bears with them. Maybe. Right. (laughs) You never (laughs) know. Um, So you also want to find things that help your kids engage in nature. Uh, We've built play areas into our property, so they have actually several places where they have forts that they have built or that we've helped build. The picture up here with the goat you can see in the background, that's their teepee. Um, they have a, a swing. They have we. They just got a trampoline from a grandparent, and um, that's a really great babysitter. They spend a lot of time there. Um, but also things like magnifying glasses and binoculars and guidebooks. And this little bug house has been hours and hours and hours and hours of entertainment. And we have had snakes and bumblebees and worms and tadpoles and fish and crawdads and all kinds of things in those. Um, and we actually, last summer, we brought home some tadpoles, and we put up a fish tank, and we raised tadpoles, and then I had frogs loose in my house, because I thought I had time before they'd be hopping, and I was going to get a screen to put over top. 
I'm pretty sure one of the frogs died in our house because I kept hearing peeping for weeks because I couldn't find it, and then it stopped. But they love that kind of stuff. Um, so find, find whatever tools, whatever kinds of things are interesting to your kids. Some kids I know, like a microscope is the coolest thing, and they look at blades of grass or bug legs or whatever. Um, whatever things are like up your kid's alley, what are going to help them engage in nature and be creative in nature? Um, we bought our kids goats, too. <laughs> Not everyone can buy their kids a goat, but um, they love it. They go outside and they take their goats for walks. And um, they've also brought their goats in the house. When mom wasn't paying attention, I walked around the corner and there was a goat sticking its head out my, out my front door. I was like, guys, the goats do not belong in the house. Um, but if you can, sorry, if you can get your kids a pet, a dog or a cat, like having something to do outside with a pet is great, but even having that nature in the house is so good for them, even if it's a fish. Like we, my son has had a fish since he was two, and he'll just sit there watching his fish. And it, I think it's calming and relaxing for them. I don't know, but having whatever kind of pet fits into your family lifestyle, it teaches them responsibility. It helps them calm down, but also helps them, I think, develop more, more compassion and empathy and helps them engage, engage in nature. Um, get them involved. Is this you? Me? Okay. Get them involved in projects. So our kids help us a little bit. I, we don't make them help us a ton. And if they're doing farm chores, they get paid for their farm chores. They don't get paid to help us with normal, like, family stuff because you're part of this family. These are farm chores for, the biz for our right. farm business. Yeah. Um, but they, they do help us, help us with projects. Up in the top, we're inoculating mushroom logs for shiitake mushrooms. And so um, Gavin there is, is shooting the, the spawn into the logs so that we can grow mushrooms. Um, here he's helping dad build. This is an undercutter for our garlic. Um, but they help build things, and they love that. And I mean, sometimes at this age, their help isn't really helpful. But when you let them help at this age, when they're teenagers, one, they're more likely to want to help you. And two, they already know what to do because you've been letting letting them play with the tools for a long time. Um, another point is, no matter what age, let them bring their toys outside. Why not? This is, this is their barn with their little toy animals and whatever, and they have a blast, and they'll play for hours. Um, and their play comes to life when they're using grass and sticks and rocks. and um, So they bring their Legos or their little farm outside, and they create these like worlds while they're playing. And finally, this picture down in the corner with the little one walking away with his backpack, he's going on an adventure. And he does this by himself now, too. He knows his boundaries, where he's allowed to explore by himself. But also when we go as a family, and he likes to wear his adventure pants. We bought him a pair of, like, zip-off hiking pants, you know, the quick-dry, and he just thinks they're the coolest thing ever. He calls them his adventure pants, and he always wants to wear them when we're going on adventures. And he's got, this was a family walk, and he's got his walkie-talkie. We were just walking down the road, but he's got a walkie-talkie clipped to him, and he's got binoculars around his, around his arm. Like, this child is going on an adventure, even though we're just walking down the road. And I think I understand, like, we went down the road, but then we went down into some <laughs> conservation land that is open to the public and went down to a little, little stream, and we started looking for, like, 
finding plants and looking at different mushrooms. Now, I don't know what a lot of different mushrooms are, and I sure do not know a lot of different plants. But think about the technology that we have access to now. Like, you have apps on your phone. You can just look it up. There's mushroom apps that you can look up, take a picture of the mushroom, and it'll give you an idea, most likely be right, about what mushroom that might be, or the different plants, or looking up, maybe being able to look up different bugs and animals. I think there's, like, iNaturalist that you can, that you can uh, send it, upload, and different people will, like, talk and dis discuss about, well, what that is, and you can learn about it. So just because you don't know about certain things doesn't matter. We have the technology right at, right at our hands now, and you can totally... Seek? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It tells you insects too. So it's called yeah. Seek. S E S E E K. We have. Okay. I have that one. Have that one? Yeah. Seek. Cool. He's talking about the Seek app, and it's a great app for helping to identify um, different plants and bugs and things like that. Um, that's a really great one. Also, um, just FYI, goats eat poison ivy. If you, yeah, <laughs> just, just throwing that one in there. Um, another one that I use, I have a Google phone, and um, Google Lens is, is, I've found has actually been very good, very helpful. Um, so, yes, I don't often hand my child my phone, but, I mean, I have young children. If I had older children, absolutely. Um, but we do, and, and he knows because we'll go, and Gavin, my older one, will ask me, like, what's this plant, Mom? And if I say, I don't know, he goes, well, Mom, get your phone out and look it up. <laughs> like, hello. Well, sometimes I don't have my phone with me, and I'm like, sorry, buddy, I, I don't know. We can, like, try to look it up when we get home, but, um, yeah, or sometimes we can take it with us and identify it when we get home. Um, as far as identifying plants that you maybe don't want to touch, um, there's some general rules that I was taught in, in some outdoor classes is that leaves of three and five, um, there's a lot of plants with leaves of three and five that are just fine, but typically your plants that are, are going to cause a reaction have those patterns of either three or five. And the other poem is, if it's hairy, it's scary. So if you see a branch or a vine that is hairy or a leaf that's hairy, like stinging nettle, if you don't know what it is, you're better off to just not touch it. So that's threes and fives. It's, there's like some catchy poem, like threes and fives, stay alive. I can't remember it. But the other thing is, if it's hairy, it's scary. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, let's see. Okay, so we're going to wrap up the little ones' adventures, then we'll get into older kids. Um, scavenger hunts are great, either like giving them a list of things to find in nature or sometimes hiding things out for them to find. Bring snacks. Bring snacks, bring snacks. They're great. Sometimes it's as simple as like I keep an orange and every like, every few steps, not quite, but every couple of minutes, here, here's another orange. Let's just get a little further and then we'll have more. Or sometimes M&Ms, M&Ms are a really good motivator. <laughs> I usually try to do the oranges, but sometimes when we're really desperate, the M&Ms come out. <laughs> um, collect things, let them pick it up. They want to collect everything. And you know what? That's what pockets and backpacks are for. Um, have races or challenges. We talked a little bit about that. You want to talk yeah. about the bike one? Yeah, so we couldn't get Noah to walk. We were on a little walk, and we couldn't get him to walk. So I started pretending he loves his bike. So I started pretending I was on a mountain bike, but I kept falling off it. And he would steal my mountain bike and then ride it, and then he'd fall off it. And then, so then we're I moving it, forward. Like, pretending that we're on a mountain bike. And we made it, like, over a mile playing this game. So just thinking, not that that game would work with your kids, but just thinking of different games with little kids to play, because they want that adventure. They want that make-believe. They want that make-believe fun. 
right? And you know your child, so you know what motivates them. So maybe like riding a mountain bike or pretending to ride a mountain bike isn't the thing, but you can come up with things like that. The other thing I want to add too is little kids can do a lot more than you think they can. They tire quickly, but they recover very quickly. So take breaks and then keep going. Our kids, how high is that mountain by camp in Weld? What's the name of the mountain? The one they hiked up. Tumbledown Mountain in Maine is how how long was that hike? It's two miles up, two miles up, two miles down. But you're bouldering at the top. So four miles up and down a mountain, and our little ones, we didn't carry them a single step, and they did that in a couple hours. Like your kids can do it. Don't let them make you think they can't because they're like, I'm tired, I can't do it. They can and they will if they're engaged and you're encouraging and supportive. If you're nagging on them, you're not going to get them and, as far. And, and if you and, make it fun and light and yeah. and do pick up your kids, like do carry them, do put them on your shoulders. Right. Honestly, the only reason I feel like we were able to do that is because there was so much bouldering at the top. They were having so much fun. Yeah, um, we carry our kids a but lot. We carry but, them. We do carry. Yeah. Them. <laughs> um, go at their pace. Don't don't make them run. That's not fun. Then they're just trying to keep up and they're not enjoying it. Um, let them explore and detour. Keeping nature journals is great. Bring binoculars or a magnifying glass um, and a guidebook. Start identifying things. Celebrate adventuring together. And short and sweet is sometimes the best thing. So I want to tell, real quick before we go because we're going to the older kids. Older now, right? kids. So real quick with the with the little ones. So I do. So I know. Most you probably don't. I do hunt some. And my boys always want to go out and want to go watch the deer. And so commonly, we'll take, I'll take them out on an evening, and I won't bring, we'll bring just binoculars or a camera as well, and we'll go sit in the deer stand. We'll either sit in a deer stand in a tree, which is awesome. It's like you're floating in the air. They love that. Or we'll sit in a, in a blind, and we'll watch the deer. And do you know when I've seen the biggest bucks? <laughs> yep. Always when the boys are with me, which is sweet. They're seeing, they're like, wow, dad, you always see these awesome deer. Yeah, always. <laughs> yeah, always. Yeah, right? So, so I think just getting your kids out, doing things, doing things like that. Uh, one of the doctors I work with, like, he doesn't do any hunting or fishing whatsoever, but his son is so interested in, in that kind of stuff and wildlife. He put, uh, he put trail cams, like deer cams out. And the kid watches the deer and he takes his camera. Getting your kids involved in photography, being able to take pictures of those animals is super, super awesome. Um, because they get to stay still, get to learn to be close, get to learn to see how the animals work and how they work in their habitat. And then they, they also get to bring those pictures home. So Yeah, even if you don't hunt, um, trail cameras are awesome. Because you can kind of see, especially if you have property, like what is there? What have we seen? We've seen black bears on our trail camera in our backyard. Bobcats. Bobcats. Lots of coyotes. Mm -hmm. Porcupines. Um, so you kind of, like, you get to really see the wildlife that you don't necessarily see. Like, we know we have a bear. Uh, he tore the gate off of our garden a couple of years ago, and he's knocked down some fences. Um, so we put up a trail camera to see what was going on, and guess what? It was a young black bear, <laughs> but we wouldn't necessarily have known that. We had seen some bear scat in the woods, but um, so it's really cool. And I think there's some pretty inexpensive trail cameras. It's just a neat thing for the kids especially to see what is in their backyard that you would never know because they're, they're hiding from you. They don't want to be seen by you. 
Um, and as far as cameras, this is another tool that even the little ones love. Right now, my five-year-old is working on a project, and he takes my camera on my phone and his little Lego guys, and he puts his Lego guys doing adventures outside, and he takes pictures of his... He's obsessed with Legos. So that's a way to incorporate the things that he really wants to do with things that I really want him to do. And so he's putting his little Lego guys, like, climbing trees and then taking a picture, and like riding, in, riding on a pond and taking a picture, and we're going to put together a little book for him when he's done. And actually, we decided we're just going to get the kid a camera, so he stops using my phone. Um, but yeah, getting your kids cameras, or um, you can get a macro lens adapter for your phone, and, and doing some macro photography and up-close pictures of plants is, is super cool. So that's a, that's a great one. Okay, older kids, I know we are heavy on the younger ones. Right, because that's kind of where our kids are. So, adventures with older kids, give them ownership. Let them help plan or even choose the destinations. So, check this out. So, this is something that I've heard other people doing and that I plan to do with my kids. Give them a budget. Tell them they can do go wherever they want in a set period of time with the money budgeted. With the family, of course. So they're planning a family vacation. This may be traveling as far north into Canada as they can and camping in tents. Teach them how to plan fun trips, how to budget, and that sacrifices sometimes have to be made in order to do the things that you might want to do, like, oh man, we have this much money, which isn't much. Maybe we'll go out and camp, winter camp, and then go skiing one day, right? or whitewater rafting, or maybe we can deep sea fish, but we're gonna have to tent the entire time in no hotels. But it's making a sacrifice to you as a parent saying, oh my goodness, I'm not sure I'm gonna enjoy this trip because they're planning this trip this way, but it brings up the experience, it helps them work through those difficult situations. Um, when, I was in, when I was in college, and this was like my sophomore, junior year, a few friends of mine, uh, we decided to go down to, go down to Key West, Florida and put $200 in an envelope, each of us, and go down there. That's all we had. So we had enough for gas. Now we wouldn't even be able to make it. <laughs> but at that point, we had enough for gas, and we would tent, like, on the side of the road. And then we got to Key West, and we had enough. We, not, they, they, they often tented or hammock not legally. So we do encourage you yeah, to make sure it's legal. legal where you're camping and where you're staying. But, but, but yes. we, we, had, we had enough. Four guys, we had enough to do a snorkeling trip. And what was great was we went that day and said, hey, we'd like to do a snorkel trip, and, and we'd like to do it at 8 o'clock in the morning. And the guy said, there's no way. You guys are going to be drinking all night. And we go, we don't drink. And he looked at us like we were crazy. <laughs> right? And we were there at 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, and, and we had a great time, but that was all we could afford was that snorkeling trip. But the thing is, like, I know that was college, but taking your, having your teenagers be able to plan something where, yeah, you get to do it. We don't have a budget to be able to do these big things, but you plan it. If you want to tent the whole time and then do that activity, that, that might be up to you. Follow their... So that's something that you could really do with them that's a lot of fun. Maybe having a room in your house that you kind of at some points change into a room where you put the map up and say, okay, we're adventure planning now. Where do you guys want to go? Giving them that ownership to follow, follow their interests. Now our five-year-old wants to go to Alaska. 
And we're 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 pretty excited about that one. We'll wait a little while until they're. But some of those things are a little older, more expensive. But... Like sometimes <laughs> there's a balance, right? There's a budget. Um, so like when I was a kid, I wanted a dirt bike race, right? I really wanted a dirt bike race. Well, that's expensive. You have injuries with it. My parents weren't into that. So what did they 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 compromised and they worked with me to have money and be able to BMX race for a couple years, right? So sometimes it's it's following your child's interests. But there's also, there's also compromise in that as well and working with them. Marc-Andre Leclerc, I don't know if you've heard of him before. There's, an, uh, th there's a documentary called The Alpinist. Um, you've heard of Free Solo, Alex Honnold. This, this guy outdoes Alex Honnold, okay? So Marc-Andre Leclerc is the, the best, uh, multi, uh, best mixed climbing, so he does ice climbing and rock climbing, basically the best soloist in history. And be, he began climbing because his parents gave him the freedom to do so. His mother bought him gear and a mountaineering book at the age of 15. Now, I can tell you that she was not fond of him free soloing, which Explain. means free soloing is rock climbing without a rope. So she was not fond of him doing that. But she did encourage him to follow his passion with gear, but to follow his passion. So encouraging your child to follow their passion. It's basically, kids nowadays need to be doing dangerous things safely. You've heard of that before, doing dangerous things safely. And that's what, that's what they should be doing. So ask them, what they, ask them what they want to do. What are their interests? Do they love looking under microscopes, microscopes or jumping off cliffs? Is your child an adrenaline junkie or more the intellectual type that wants to better understand the world around him or her? What are their interests? And try to encourage those interests, but of course, doing dangerous things safely. And then establish, so establish traditions. We do this trip every year or this hike every year. Something, a tradition that they really enjoy. Establish those traditions. And do things that are really cool. Uh, Stephen Ranella, which is a well-known outdoorsman, fish, fisherman, uh, wild, eats wild edibles, hunter. He's written a lot of books. He wrote a new book that I'm actually going through right now called Outdoor Kids in an Inside World. I can tell you the first 60 pages is really good. I can't recommend any more of it because I haven't read it, except for the first 60. But what he does say in that book is he does, he, he does say, I pull my kids outside. He says, honestly, I can't, you think if I wrote this book that I'd be able to say I can get my kids off all these iPads? He says, I can't get my kids off the iPads. If I ask them, what do you really want to do? They're going to go directly to their iPad and play on their iPad. He says, but aren't I, we as adults the same way sometimes? Yeah. I am. Sometimes I'd you rather have to, read a book. Or sometimes you have to pull Instagram. your kids, pull yourself, pull your kids outside and, put, and then put them in trying situations, right? Outside and it's cold, working through that cold, working through the wet camping gear, whatever that is. Or hot. <laughs> what, what he says is, I put you guys through these situations so that you can hang out with super cool people later. Right? So you're putting your kids through these situations so that they can hang out with cool people later when they grow up. Like mom and daddy, exactly. <laughs> and then, so do things that are real cool and let them bring friends. Right? Let them bring friends. Everyone loves doing things with their friends. Encourage them to bring their friends along. Encouraging your children to build friendships with kids that are, in, that are interested in adventures as well will only encourage their interest in getting outdoors for years to come. So building, bring their friends along, gets their friends interested in outdoors and those activities, and then hopefully 
they'll keep their friendships with people that like to do things outdoors as well. And when I, I didn't talk about much about activity trackers, but activity trackers, we're talking about like how many steps you've walked, because people love to compete with how many steps they've walked or how many miles they've gone, especially if they can, if we're going on um, like a trip, they want to know, oh, it's a half, half mile, oh, we got this much farther. It's really fun for even adults and for kids. So uh, doing some of those, and they are becoming a lot more affordable as well. Well, and there's those ones that I obviously am going to show my lack of knowledge here, but they have to complete rings. And I know people who have, I don't even know which device it is, but where they have to complete rings based on activity. And I know that kids get really into that, teenagers get really into completing their rings. And so it, it does encourage that um, activity. Um, yeah, don't wait until they're teenagers to start. If you already have teenagers, it's not too late. It's just easier if you start when they're younger. Um, and then outdoor documentaries are great. Like the documentaries like Chet mentioned, Free Solo and The Alpinist and um, these stories of people doing these incredible things outside, they're just motivating. Um, especially, I think, for teenagers, because they're like, wow, that person's super cool. Well, you want to be like that person? It starts here. Um, there we go. Okay, tips for getting outside. Take baby steps. We talked about that. Start close and slowly branch out. Start simple. If you don't know what you're doing, take a lesson. Join a group. Hire a guide. Go with somebody who has experience. Um, there's a lot of things to learn about being outdoors safely, especially if you're doing things like rock climbing. Chet and I took a rock climbing class in college, and when we lived in Tennessee, we were pretty avid climbers. Don't try to go rock climbing by yourself if you have not taken a class. Go with somebody who knows what they're doing. It can be dangerous if it's not done correctly. Um, and that applies to lots of things. Horses, kayaking, if you're, especially if you're doing like quick water stuff. Um, so just don't, don't try to just go out and do things that you don't know how to do without someone more experienced there to help you, if it's something that's more dangerous. Do your research before going somewhere. Look at what the weather conditions are and make sure that you're prepared and, and watch for potentially dangerous conditions too, like very, very cold temperatures or very, very hot temperatures and make sure you're prepared. Um, check the weather and make sure that you're not going to be tent camping in tornado weather or you know what I mean. Just make sure that you're aware of what's going on. Um, navigate with, with ease. Your cell phone GPS is great, but if you're venturing far, your cell phone will not always work. Have a map, like a paper map. They do still exist, I promise. <laughs> um, or, or a battery-powered GPS uh, we used to have. I don't think it... Yeah, we still have a, a Garmin like handheld GPS for hiking. Also, learning orienteering, and I'm not very I'm not very good at that. But learning it with your kids will make a huge difference because the map and compass is always going to work, right? And so, and, and that's a good thing for your kids to be able to, another great adventure, especially for older kids. Learning orienteering and having that geocache find with a map and a compass versus, versus a GPS. And teach your children how to know, how to pay attention to where they are so that they don't get lost. Even with our five-year-old, we go hiking somewhere and we ask them all the time, how do we get back to the car from here? Or when we are hiking, we live on a lot of land and we live next to 
a large conservation area. And when we go out hiking, how do I get home from here? Or we'll hike out for an hour, and then we'll say, okay, Gavin, now you get us home. And, and practice that with your children so that they don't get lost. That is a big safety thing for them and for you, is that your children know how to follow a trail. Our kids know how to read, both of them, know how to read trail markers. I'm not sure if you knew, but when you're on trails that are marked with like the little painted symbols on trees, a double, a single, like trails will usually have a circle or a triangle or a rectangle that marks the trail. If there's a double, it means that the trail turns and it'll be offset depending on which way the trail turns. So our kids know how to read those trail markers to follow a trail. Um, because sometimes trails are very easy to find. Sometimes they're not. And so learning how to read trails is important so that nobody gets lost. Um, become an environmental steward. Wow, we're running out of time. And learn as much as you can. The more you know about nature and about where you are and how to take care of yourself, the safer you are. In cold weather, find ways to make it fun. Wear wool. Wool is what is warm. Or synthetic is cheaper and a decent option, but I'm telling you, wool is the best. Do not wear cotton. If it gets wet, you're very cold, whether it's sweat, water, whatever. Um, any month with the letter R in it. I heard, read that and I was like, what? But if you think about it, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, you probably want to have those base layers with you in any of those months. Take advantage of warm, sunnier days as much as possible. If it's cold, warm drinks and warm meals help, and keep your little ones well bundled up. Here, we have about 10 minutes. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go through this real quick. So you can find your gear checklist online. A few things that we you know, always recommend is having a cell phone with you and charging device isn't always, is, isn't always going to work as far as where you're at. Waterproof or protected, uh, protected paper map. So if you're going somewhere and they offer you just the paper map or the waterproof version, it's more expensive, but definitely recommend the waterproof version. Um, lightweight layers of clothing. You can read through these. Raincoat, sun protection, bug spray. Adequate water and snacks, which a water purifier is huge. Have that with you. They make them really, really small now. Um, headlamp, backpack supplies for a fire. These are like fireproof matches or, or flint. Emergency blanket, knife, and first aid kit. For a slightly longer hike, so if I'm doing a day hike and it's going to take the entire day, I plan to be out there overnight or at least overnight or a couple nights. Right? I don't want to be out there a couple nights, but what if I get lost? So I always bring a shelter with me. And my shelter is normally, yes, I have an emergency blanket. Might have a small cha change of clothes in a waterproof bag. But then I also have, I, I bring a hammock and I bring an E&O waterproof, so Eagle's Nest Outfitters waterproof cover over that hammock. All right, I've camped in thunderstorms in that and it keeps you completely dry. So, but the reason I do that is it's super light. Instead of bringing a tent, it's super light, super small, still can fit in a pack. So always plan to be out overnight in the woods if you're doing a long hike way out there. So I'm gonna talk about first aid for the last few minutes here. So Just pass these around. I've never found a first aid kit that I really, really like. You guys and, can take pictures of and these. And so in the helpful. last uh, few, few months ago, I taught a mass casualty trauma course at our church. And I wanted to find, but not only that, it was also like outdoor first aid. And I wanted to find a first aid kit that would work. And I was looking, looking, looking. I couldn't find exactly what I wanted. Um, so I put these, I put these kits together. 
Um, you can take pictures of them. And this is our, this is our backpacker kit. And if you, when you pass that around, if you see that, this is what it is. It tells you exactly, like, this is the kit that we bought. And then in that, I tell you exactly what I added. Like, I added sutures. All right? Sutures, even if you don't know how to suture, it's easy to learn. And, but also, like, suturing an animal up if your animal gets injured out there. Or if you're way back, you have a large wound that needs to be closed up so you can get out. In the hospital, if you get out within, you know, 24 hours, they can open it back up, wash it up, and then reclose it. Okay? So you, so that kind of stuff, having a tourniquet. So a lot of times, all your first aid kits, like a lot of them don't have a, um, a mask for doing CPR. Like this is just a simple mask. Look how small this is, right? And then a tourniquet. This is called a cat T tourniquet. What some of your kits will say it has a SWAT, a SWAT T tourniquet. A SWAT T tourniquet is just a pressure bandage, right? If you have a large laceration or like you lose a limb, that SWAT T tourniquet is not going to take care of it. But a CAT T tourniquet is what they use in the military. These are $30. And, and so this is, what they, this is what they are. And so this will actually wrap onto your arm like this. And so, so this will actually wrap on your arm like this and you twist it and then you would put it here. You know if you twist a tourniquet for, and make it so it's actually effective, do you know how long you can leave it on without it, you actually losing um, the, the use of your limb in the future? How long do you think you can leave a tourniquet on? Two hours. Two hours. That's a long time, right? So having, having that in your kit um, and having a CPR shield, I also, I also recommend um, having some plastic with some tape to be able to put a occlusive dressing over like if you had a gunshot wound to a chest or whatnot, having some of these things that will save someone's life and then having your first aid kit that is for all your scrapes and bruises and your cuts and things like that. And so what we, so this is the backpacker kit, super small, fits in a backpack, all right? Take a picture of it, create your own kit. You can take a picture of any of those and create your own kit. Um, you want to talk about that? Yeah, so that's what we take with us in our pack. In my car, I keep this back, black bag that has baby wipes and a blanket, a change of clothes for each of my kids, an extra sweater, um, and then a, a much bigger first aid kit with even more supplies in it. And the stuff that's in this kit is on that list that's going around. So create, create the kit that works best for you. Um, the kit that we have in our home here, this is our home kit, and this is a kit that I put together. What, what do you think a kit like, like this costs, like a big kit with like multiple ace bandages, a few tourniquets, SAM splints, so splints, so you can splint an arm until you get to the hospital. What do you think a kit like this costs? Huh? No. No. Three, this kit costs 320 if you, buy this, if you buy this online, like a pre-made kit, yeah, you're looking at four, five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars $600,000, okay? Um, I bought a lot of this stuff out of Vitality Medical, and so they, they actually take, like, large amounts of, like, Band-Aids, and you can buy one Band-Aid for, like, five cents, two cents, whatever, um, or even less than that. So, but understanding you can put your kits together the way I put it, and so I have that list 
I have that list there. But like how I did everything was I separated by bag. So when I opened up my backpack, I have my mass trauma kit, which has my CPR shield, a cravat, which you can make a tourniquet out of, a cat T tourniquet, right? Uh, air, a little airway here, and some gloves, and some bandages, some coban to pack, to pack uh, a puncture wound, right? So I have them separated, mass trauma, medications, and then I have, I have splinting, and then I, I have wound care, and laceration care. So you just open up your kit, and you just pull out what you need, all right? You can make your kits. Your kits are super easy to make. I would highly recommend just taking a picture of that because I've been looking for a long time trying to figure out exactly what the best kit is, especially for a backpacking kit. And um, honestly, I would do exact, this is what I've done. Buy this kit for $40, add a few things into it, and for about, for, you know, under, the only reason it's gonna be around 100 bucks is because of this, because this is $30. Other than that, it's a really affordable kit. And you could use this even for your home kit instead of having a large kit. The biggest reason I have a large kit for this is to show people because I teach, I teach a mass trauma class. So that's the biggest reason for that large, large kit. Um, but you can just get away with having a kit like this at home. It'll be great for you. Now, some training and how to use this stuff is also very helpful. Do you have recommendations on where we could get training for that online? Yeah, so... so um, what I recommend as far as like ma as far as mass trauma training goes is uh, Mountain Man Medical, mountainmanmedical.com, and he's got a lot of he's got a lot of really good training, uh, really good videos on that. So that'd be the main one I go to. Yeah, we have a question. So the question was asked: um, We live in Colorado where there's a lot of rattlesnake bites, and how do you deal with that rattlesnake bites and the potential for rattlesnakes? So. Right, so the biggest, the biggest thing with that um, is if you have a rattlesnake bike is, what they'll say is stay still, right, stay calm. If you can have someone carry that person out, carry that person out. Um, if you have Benadryl with you, take, take the Benadryl. Um, but then you can, if you have charcoal with you, you can put a charcoal postus on it. But other than that, it's really getting to calling an ambulance and getting out as fast as possible, getting a medication called Crofab, which is anti-venom. Uh, for the person. You can't, no, no, because a dose of that costs something between twenty dollars and $40,000. Yeah. So unfortunately, so unfortunately, there's not real great things for that except trying to keep the person still as much as possible and, and you can give them some Benadryl and get them out of there. You're, I know, I know. I mean, it just depends on which snake, which snake bit you and so, sorry, not helpful at all. I know. It's like, just get out. Yeah, right. <laughs> but just staying, on, honestly, is trying to stay as, as calm and still as possible is the biggest thing. All right, we are just about out of time. I just want to mention real quick a couple of the things that we found really helpful. Um, wool, wool-based layers for everybody. If you're outside a lot in the cold, and that's what this this little one is, is in wool. It's, it's expensive, but it's worth it if you're gonna spend time outside. Um, this little Osprey pack, we love Osprey. There's a lot of good packs out there. Um, and, and hydration packs, especially for the little kids, are great for helping your kids stay hydrated. Um, the sketchbook is here because of, we're very into nature journaling, and I encourage anyone, especially if you're homeschooling, to, to research in 
to do some nature journaling. We're just not, we don't have enough time to talk about all of the things. This box is what we put our nature journals and our colored pencils and our magnifying glass and our tools in, our guidebooks to take hiking with us when we're nature journaling. Um, binoculars and guidebooks. This is a rain suit. These are great with little, little ones because I put my kids in this rain suit and they can go lay in a puddle. And, and then they come inside and I just like strip them off and rinse the rain, or I rinse them off before they come in. And most of the mud and water stays outside and not in my house. Um, so the suits are great. When your kids are just starting to be potty trained, they are not as great, but you can get separate rain pants and a rain top and just tuck the, tuck the top into the bottom, not the other way around, and put the foot pieces over their rubber boots, not inside their rubber boots. Otherwise, it's not as effective. But those are awesome tools to help keep the mess outside. Same with the little like Carhartt coveralls. If your kids like to play in the dirt and get rough and dirty, like they just, and my, my husband and I do this too. We just, we're going out to do something really messy. I don't want the mess all through my house. Pull on the coveralls, go do whatever it is we're going to do. The coveralls come off either at the door or outside the door and the mess stays much more contained. Um, so we're, we're out of time. Um, how do I create a love for adventure in my children? That was what we hope you walked away from. Um, if you guys have questions, one of us can stay afterwards and, and try to answer as many questions as we can. Um, but we got to let you go. Do you want to pray for us? Yeah. Let's bow our heads. Dear Holy Father, God, thank you so much for this time to... Uh, learn about getting our kids outdoors into your second book. And Lord, I pray as we, uh, as we go home getting our kids or our grandkids or our neighbors, Lord, trying to get them outside to really enjoy your nature, Lord, I pray that we would always remember that the focus, the overall focus of getting our kids out in nature is, Lord, to draw closer to you. And Lord, I pray as we uh, go throughout the rest of our day that you'd uh, just continue to uplift and draw close to us in our lives and help us have a good, safe rest of the day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.